Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Yeah. Alright, already the show goes on all night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder? Just remember when it comes to the show. What's up? Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Right Way Podcast live on the Right Way Sports Network's YouTube channel. I'm your host, CEO of the Right Way Sports Network, Malik Wright, joined by my co-host. You got Mr. Max Marrero in the building, Daniel Alameda, Jake Circus, and my mentor in the building, the owner of Back Sports Page, Mr. Randy Zelia, who I owe it all to. How's it going, Randy? Uh, first off, I have to say, uh, so to technically all this is my fault. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, first, I got to tell you, uh, I'm a little blown away by watching like that entrance video. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's like, that's like, like, like high level, like network stuff yeah. there, man. Like, I'm like, I was like all excited. I'm like, well, we have like a little video for our shows, like this little five second video with a 30 second kind. Uh, and over that, I'm like, I'm like, oh, wow, I wonder what show is on. Oh, my God, this is the show that I'm on. This is crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. You so know, it was uh, Randy, if you if you told me one thing, you always told me to whatever I do, make sure I magnify it times 10. So <laughs> Yeah. Go big go big or go home. And apparently you get really big. Yeah. <laughs> we try. We we we, oh. we try. We try. But Randy, uh definitely excited to have you on the show, my man. This is definitely long overdue. It's been a it's been a long time coming. And like I said, guys, I really do owe this man everything. Uh, get, show me the ropes of the business, and I can't thank them enough. We got our jam-packed show. Uh, but before I get into it, make sure you guys follow us on our social medias, TWSN, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you uh, follow Back Sports page, and I'm sure we'll be reiterating that more and more and more as the show goes on. With that being said, guys, we are going to get the show started, right? I want to ask you guys, I want to kick it off in the boxing arena. Everyone saw the fiasco that was. Uh, the the Legends card, I think it was called. We had Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Uh, and we also had another fight take place uh, between Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. But I want to first go with the main event. I want to go with the main event. I want to go with Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. I want to ask each and every one of you guys, was it what you expected? Especially for some of you young guys, right? Myself included, who we didn't get to really see Mike Tyson fighting his fight heyday. Was it, was it what you I expected? Did. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. You definitely did. I did. Um, so, 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 Randy, I'm actually going to kick it off with you first. Okay. Was it what you expected, or did was it underwhelming? I I want everybody to keep a honest perspective mm-hmm. of when you have two 50 year old people in the ring. Yeah, and I I also want everybody to remember again. I came from a time where I got to see Mike Tyson in his prime, mm-hmm. so everything is going to be a letdown from that point on. Because, like, literally, if you went out or when Tyson was in his prime, and you went out and got a sandwich in the beginning of his fight, by the time you put the mustard on the sandwich, the fight was over. <laughs> and that's how quick the Tyson fights were back in the day. Like, Sounds like was, my fight. Yeah, like seriously, you go in there, boom, 
it was over and it was done. And again, the expectation level, if you go in knowing that this is a form of entertainment and they weren't going in there to kill each other, everything else like that. I know Tyson trained hard, Roy George tra trained hard, but if you go in with the mentality of this is an entertainment and they're doing this not to be a, it's not going to be a five-star classic boxing match. If you go in with that expectation, then you got your money's worth. If you went in there thinking, you go in there thinking that Mike Tyson's going to go in there and be 1989, 1990 Mike Tyson, you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to be mm -hmm. calling the cable money and asking for your money back. That's just the <laughs> way it is. So right. I, I had no problem with it. Um, Tyson is in his 50s. I think Tyson's, um, I, I compare, if you guys want the best comparison to, to today's sports society, of what it was with Mike Tyson to compare it to today, it was Ronda Rousey in the UFC. She was unbeatable. And then when she lost, boom, it was the shock heard around the world. When Mike Tyson back in 1990 got knocked out by Buster Douglas, that's what it felt like. It was the punch heard around the world. And it shocked you because you weren't expecting it to happen. Just like Ronda Rousey, you weren't expecting her at that time to lose to, lose to Holly Holmes. And that's what happened. So that's the best a scenario I can give for it, uh, what, what the shock value was. But as far as Saturday night was concerned, it was exactly what I thought it was. It was exactly what I what hoped it was going to be. It was fine. It was perfect for what it needed to be. Max. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, my expectation was nothing, nothing special is going to happen. Like Randy mentioned, you know, it's two 50-year-olds in the ring past their prime. Uh, what I will say, though, is on the Roy Jones side of things, I was incredibly shocked at the lack of match shape he was at or fighting shape he was at. Um, I mean, considering the fact that the guy retired two years ago, you would think that in terms of his fitness, he wouldn't be gassing out by middle of round one. Um, you know, and, and, and on the flip side of that, Mike Tyson looked incredibly sharp in terms of his conditioning throughout the well, fight. So, well, 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 I got to actually stop you there. If you actually look at it, why he was probably gassed out, Mike Tyson was ripping him with some pretty hard blows to the body. Some pretty hard blows to the body, and I can't help but think that, you know, it, it's almost like, like when they first teach you when you go into a boxing gym, they say, hey, you make an investment to the body. Right. And then the head will follow soon. Now, the head obviously didn't follow soon because these guys weren't going out there trying to kill each other. But Mike Tyson made an investment to the body. And you talk about these guys are 50 plus years old. Absolutely. It didn't shock me that Roy Jones Jr. was gasping for air. So do I think he was in fighting shape when you look at him? Absolutely not. But do I think had it be, been anybody 50 plus going against him, I think he would, look, would have looked a lot better than what he did. But I, 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 I would attribute that more to, to Mike Tyson's ability to attack the body. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's valid, and I think that I'm sure that that contributed to it. But when you see the guy, you know, heaving for air uh, in between rounds, I think it's a little bit more than just taking body shots. I think the guy was just not ready to fight, uh, you know, whatever, a five, six-round fight. Um, despite the fact that he retired two years ago, I just think that that's kind of disappointing. Mm. Mike Tyson hasn't fought in, in many, many years, mm. and he looked great considering, you know, the, the situation – uh, like you said, he was delivering powerful blows throughout the fight. And, you know, I know they called it a draw. And I personally don't think it was a draw. I think that Mike Tyson clearly won that fight. Uh, but I think both fighters were there just to make money for charity. And it was beyond the result. Jake? 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat as both of you guys, especially what Randy said. I, I really didn't have much expectations going into it. The, the biggest thing for me was I was going to cross off on my bucket list seeing Mike Tyson fight live. In 2003, if, if you went to a Washington Wizards game and expected Michael Jordan to drop 30 points, you probably weren't going to see it. If you went to a Mariners game in 2010 and expected Ken Griffey Jr. to hit a home run, you probably weren't going to see it. And if you expected to, in 2020 to see Mike, uh, M- Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. in a slugfest, you're not going to see it. So if you went in without that mindset and just another okay. another reason another and, reason another reason why LeBron's the goat right who would have thought in 2020 <laughs> you'd be seeing LeBron we're not gonna do it 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 I promise you uh, Daniel Daniel what are your thoughts Yeah I mean you guys all hit the nail on his head um, it's it was just remarkable I mean two fifty year olds going at it and. The biggest thing was my two biggest takeaways was one, what Roy Jones Jr. said after the fight, how Mike Tyson, he just talked about how his power is still there. He talked about he felt it, every single punch he felt. And just the fact that Mike Tyson, this is what he was born to do, right? This is like, this is his passion. And the fact that he was at the same, not the same shape, but the same weight as he once was in his last fight was 2006, I believe. He was almost at the same weight. I think it's just remarkable. It was it was remarkable to see. Absolutely, guys. So I want to keep it going with the the next uh, boxing car boxing match that was on the event. Uh, it was Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Who Nate Robinson? Nate Robinson. Yeah, Nate Robinson of the NBA. Nate Robinson took on YouTuber Jake Paul. And guys, the question I have for you is simple. And I want to make this very very Mm-mm. quick. We got a lot of topics to get to. Does having YouTubers box? you know, you know, in that world, in the world of boxing, when they step into the ring, is it an insult to the sport? Is it disrespectful to the sport? Max, I'm going to let you start this one off. No, I don't think it is. I think considering the state of boxing relative to the UFC, you know, the when, now with the UFC taking all of the popularity out of combat sports, boxing finds himself at their lowest low of recent memory. Um, and by that, now, now they have to find alternative. Randy, why don't you go? I'm sorry. Let me take care of the dog. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm going to say this about the world of entertainment and I mean this is the best analogy I can come up with I have a future stepdaughter who's 11 years old Mm -hmm. and she recognizes everything in this world by tiktokers and (laughs) and youtubers okay so with this type of fight they're trying to like like Max was starting to say, they're trying to draw in the younger audience, which is not wrong, by the way. There's there's a way of marketing it. The older boxing fans want to see Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. You want to get that younger crowd in. So let's get a YouTuber. Let's get a tick someone who's famous on TikTok. Let's get an NBA a former NBA player. Now, the result didn't go that well for poor Nate Robinson, who I love Nate. I've talked with Nate. He and I have uh, had many of conversations over the years, especially when he played for the Knicks. But I have to tell you, uh, I think this was this was the wrong idea yeah. for, a box, for a boxing card. People have, people have criticized uh, CM Punk for the longest of times of leaving WWE and going into the UFC saying how, you know, a phony wrestler is going in there and wrestle and then go to fight in the UFC. And it was sort of like embarrassing that, that fight for for that fight the other night with Nate Robinson was an embarrassment and it did him no good. It didn't do. And I think that was the, 
glaring negative negative part of that card. You see, Randy, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you for a second. Here's okay. why. Right. Here's why. And by the way, I love Phil Brooks, CM Punk. <laughs> that's my boy. That's my boy right there. So he's I, my I, favorite I, I of all time. I love I love him. I love him to death. But nah, you're you're taking here's, prime real estate away for a guy who earned it. Here's listen, listen, listen. Here at the end of the day, guys, we gotta we gotta we gotta reel it in, right? And the fact of the matter is, boxing nowadays, especially when you make it to the professional level, it's prize fighting. It's prize fighting. People want to be entertained. And I feel like in large part, it's funny, I had a good conversation with my buddy uh, Vito uh, recently about this. And I said, you know, a lot of boxers are not entertaining, which is why you can be the most vicious puncher. You can be, you know, must-see TV when you get in the boxing ring. If you do not have charisma, if you do not have a following on a TikTok or an Instagram or a Facebook or a Twitter or whatever the hell you're using nowadays, you're not going to sell out the Staples Center. You're not going to break pay-per-view records. You don't believe me? Look at Conor McGregor. You don't believe me? Look at Ryan Garcia. You don't believe me? Look at Floyd Mayweather. Now, Floyd Mayweather had, had a rare talent where Floyd Mayweather was the best in the world, and he also had an innate ability to be able to sell himself uh, to, to boxing fans. Well, you look at it nowadays, you know, you look at a guy like Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, in my ass, has never been the best in the UFC. He never has been the best in the UFC. He was talented. He was absolutely talented. And he was the most marketable. Right. And but why was he the most marketable? I mean, the, the, the star of Conor McGregor was born after he knocked he knocked a guy out and jumped over the jumped over the uh jumped over the uh the uh, the, the octagon and jumped in Jose Aldo, one of the most respected fighters in UFC history's face and said, Ah, I'm gonna beat you, I'm gonna take your belt. That was musty TV when he says Make sure you just come to the arena. I'm going to knock you out. You'll wake up a better man. I'll knock you out inside three rounds. And he, it's must-see TV. You have to be able to sell yourself. Listen, I know there are fighters who just want to focus on the fighting aspect of fighting. Good. I am happy for you. That is amazing. That is great. But in large part, why, why is Muhammad Ali? Why did Muhammad Ali go down as one of the greatest boxers of all time. Why did Mike Tyson go down as one of the greatest bo boxers of all time? Here's what I'll tell you. Most of the kids that watch that, when you ask them, who's the greatest boxer of all time, they say Muhammad Ali. They say that they never even seen a Muhammad Ali fight. They've not even seen a Muhammad Ali highlight. But Mike Tyson, Mike Muhammad Ali steps in an interview and says, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to look pretty while I'm doing it. I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You got Mike Tyson saying, I'm going to eat him. I'm, I'm going to eat him. I'm eating his kids. Um, you know, th that's the type of stuff that sells. And I feel like people lose that sight of combat sports. You have to be willing to market yourself. You have to be willing to sell yourself. And if you aren't, well, and you're not going to go very far. I, to quote my very good friend, Eric Bischoff, mm -hmm. controversy, <laughs> controversy creates cash, my friend. Oh, absolutely. As Daniel Alameda. And, 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 <laughs> and there's, there's, a, there's a little, there's a, there's a couple of kernels of truth of what you're saying in there. But I will throw this also about uh, Conor McGregor. Yes, his exploits and him being a very charismatic person, a character, charismatic character, has mm. helped the marketability not only of himself, but the UFC. So people want to say, why does Dana White deal with all of his antics? It's because he knows that people are going to buy the pay-per-view that he is on. Well, his pay-per-views help raise the revenue and are about 25 to 30% more buys mm -hmm. than any other UFC cards. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. the thing that everybody has to remember. 
he's there, there's a reason why you know he, if you want to know why that boxing match with Mayweather a few years ago was was a, close to a billion dollar fight, it's because you had two rock hard personalities going head to head, and both people everybody wanted to see both guys lose. Mm. That that to me is the truth, and the, yeah. the real truth of the matter. Uh, and I also have to throw one more thing out there, Malik, and sure. I'm not and I'm not trying to be negative at all. I'm a very positive guy. You know me. I'm going to throw it the way it is. Mm. But boxing needs an injection of life, or we else the, the sport will die. And that's not be, me being negative. That's just the honest truth. Mm. And, I, and I, I hate to say it that way, but it really is the truth in the matter. I love the UFC. I love. I, I'm not as much. I'm not a big WWE fan anymore. I really. I have friends who wrestle with AEW and, and MLW and those those places. But the pro wrestling industry is in the best shape it's been since the Monday Night War days. But I think this before a lot of you guys were were were, were kicking. Were, were, we're really rocking and rolling with what was on TV uh, when wrestling was must watch every single week. But uh, boxing has not produced a star. In a long time, unless a cat where a casual fan would want to buy the pay per view, Canelo Alvarez. Okay, Beyond, Canelo I, Alvarez. I'm not. I'm not a boxing. I'm not a. I don't follow boxing. So you're not, you're saying a name to me that I'm like okay. I would have to go out and do the research to do. Whereas if I said to you and you never heard of Mike Tyson, you know who Mike Tyson is. Well, that's because that's in large part due to his list. And I think I think and his cartoon. I think I think the closest thing to that is a Floyd Mayweather. But now with Floyd Mayweather nearing retirement or you know coming in and out of retirement, we're not sure when he's going to fight next. We're uh, to to Randy's point, we're missing that next superstar in the sport. And right. you know maybe Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder when they have their trilogy fight, maybe one of those guys. Joshua was in line to be that guy until he lost. Um, we don't know yet. We're kind of in a weird standstill. Uh, you know, there's been some really good fights recently, which has helped the sport. I'm sure like the Lomachenko fight, Lomachenko Lopez, that was a classic. Uh, you know, I mentioned Fury and Wilder. That was a really good one. So I think that's just, you know, the sport is kind of heading down. And if you continue having big fights like that, it'll start bringing the sport back. You know, that's something that the sport is missing as a whole is big fights. And I think that's flawed a little bit, not not to not to your point, Max, but I think that's a little bit of, of, of flawed logic in a sense because, listen, heavyweight boxing always sells. Heavyweight boxing always sells. There were people who never even knew who Deontay Wilder was. Nobody knew who, nobody knew who really Tyson Fury was and stuff like that. But in America, we've been starving for a, a true two two heavyweights to actually battle it out and go at it for years and years and years and years. It was so long since we actually saw it. And I honestly think boxing in terms of the heavyweight division has never been in a better place than what it is right now. The problem is you have guys, and, and this is strictly down to promoting. This is that this is from our promotion standpoint. If a guy is not willing to go out on a limb and make a name for himself and make a superstar for himself, like a Javante Davis or a Ryan Garcia. Then you're relying on that promoter to do it for you. Newsflash: These promoters are not doing it for you. Which is why Bob Arum came out the other day and said what he said about uh, Terrence Crawford, and everybody was like, "What in the world?" He basically said, "I'm losing money on this guy." Now, I think that was an absolutely asinine statement to make, but I understand what he meant by it. At the end of the day, the what's going on in boxing is not what you see in the UFC. The reason why boxing always makes more money than the UFC in terms of a a gate standpoint. The reason why, and I'm gonna tell you why. The UFC is willing to give their fighters their the, the, the dream fight that fans want to see right then and there. 
They don't let it sizzle. They give it as soon as it's possible. They're going to give it to him. The moment John Jones and Izzy Israel Adesanya are able to fight each other, it's going to happen. The UFC does not wait. Now that's a positive and that's also a negative because boxing goes from the old standpoint of, Hey, we'll make you wait for it. We'll build up the excitement, which means what happens every fight you're watching that next guy's fight to see, will he call out that guy we want to see him fight? Will he lose the fight? And that's the charisma that comes with boxing. Remember, Mike Tyson was not supposed to lose to Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas, to Randy's point, was considered a jobber. People didn't think that he was going to beat Mike Tyson. That's in large part, was another reason why it was a huge shock to people when Mike Tyson lost. Because every any punch, any punch him out, he can win. But listen, uh, we could we could debate boxing and UFC and the promotional standpoint all day, guys. I want to keep it rolling, right? Uh, Randy. I know we got you only here for a few more minutes, so I want to I want to ask you a specific question. You cover the New York Football Giants uh, for Back Sports Page, um, your company, my dad. My dad. <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask you a simple question. Um, Shameless plug, by the way. I, yeah, I, I apologize. Every, every I, time, every time he brings it up, I owe him twenty bucks. So it's right, 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 right. <laughs> so did you guys Back Sports Page? I'm joking. Uh, so listen, I got to ask you: Who's winning the NFC East? Uh, I'll be honest with you. If you look at the way the teams are and the body language of all the teams, let's take away the Daniel Jones injury from Sunday. But I think the Giants, if you really look at it, <laughs> Philadelphia, oh, if you man. watch if you watch Philadelphia last night, I watched Carson Wentz through a bullet of an interception where no eagle was even close to in the end zone. Mm. Uh, I just I look here's here's the reality. And I want a little bit. Dallas can fit in this a little bit, and Washington can fit into it a little bit. The real successful teams in the NFL right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, the the, the title contenders, this uh, yeah. the Seattle the Seattle Seahawks. I was almost going to say Supersonics, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. I'm in NBA mode. I'm sorry, uh, the Seattle Supersonics, uh, Seahawks, the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Some of these teams on the key parts of a football team, the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball, have been together for. A while. It might be little pieces here, plugging in a player here, taking a player out. But majority of the teams that are competing for a Super Bowl this year, that those nucleuses have been together for quite a few years. The New York Giants only have four players on their roster from 2017 on this current team. I want that to sink in for a second. You have Dalvin Tomlinson, Evan Ingram, Wayne Gallman, and Sterling Shepard. Those are the only four guys on this roster for the New York Giants right now. You have a new coach, a new young coach, a hungry coach, who wants to put his stamp, his vision, and his culture in this franchise. And you're asking him to do that during the spring via Zoom. So when training camp opens up, you not only have to take everything that you were teaching these guys via Zoom, incorporate it on the field, and then get the chemistry with these guys in the offensive line and on the defense to click immediately with no preseason games, and their first game is a Monday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I always say the first five weeks of the NFL season is fool's gold because you don't know what it really what the team is as they're trying to figure out who they are and what they can do. The Giants, that defense, after Saquon Barkley went down in that Chicago game in the second game of the season, came together and played pretty well after they were down 17-0. The Giants really only got blown out of that 49ers game. They've been in 
quite a few games. Right. I don't consider them losing. I consider them learning. They, the players believe in their coach. They believe in each other. Now, again, I also want to point out, they've yes, they've won three in a row. Look who the three wins are against. A Washington Redskins team who's sort of in the same boat that they are without a rising star quarterback. A Philadelphia Eagles team that have pieces of their Super Bowl championship team from a few years ago, but not many left. And a team that they're they're sort of looking for who they are now and what their identity is. Right. And, and with with the questions of Carson Wentz, who by the way did not win them the Super Bowl, it was Nick Foles that did it. Should have kept Nick. Okay. Well. And, and then a Dallas. No. And then a Dallas Cowboys team, who has players for a system that they're not using anymore. Mm-hmm. So. If you look at that division, all sides are pointing to the New York Giants because, with the exception of Daniel Jones's injury, which we found out today, is still more. It's more going to be a game by game situation. They don't know what's going to happen, but be ready for Colt uh, McCoy to start this week. Um, But I even was on the line with two of the coaches today: the running back coach and the, uh, the the linebacker coach. And he said the exact same thing I did. He said, look, it took a little while for everybody to sort of get comfortable with what their role. Blake Martinez and Brad, and, and Bradbury have been an unbelievable leaders on the defense, two excellent pickups. And with the loss of Saquon Barkley, Wayne Gallman has played great. They thought they were going to get something out of Devontae Freeman. He has uh, too many miles on those legs. They're getting what they can um, from you know Alfred Morris. You know, it, it is what it is, and they're they're competing. And do I think if you look at the remaining six games they have on their schedule, look, next week's tough. They got Seattle. Arizona's going to be a tough game. I think everyone's saying three and three, and they're looking at that Cleveland game as a win. And I don't, I don't see it. I I see maybe a better chance of beating Arizona if they're going to go three and three, but they're not beating Cleveland. I think Cleveland is still. Uh, much better than that. But so, so that was a long-winded answer to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the New York Giants. I apologize for that. Well, I think the Washington football team, my, my guy Jay said, said it right here, uh, uh, the Washington football team. And here's why, right? Ron Rivera has done a remarkable job as the head coach there. But also their defense. Their defense, Jack Del Rio. The defense looks absolutely amazing. I'm calling them the Washington Crimson Tide because that's what they look like with all those studs from Alabama over there. Listen, <laughs> let me explain something to you, man. If Alex Smith continues to play like he played, listen, I don't know if the Giants' offense can keep up with the Washington football team's offense. I genuinely do not believe that. Well, I here's don't. a problem, though. I'm sorry. I hate to. But no, now, do it. But here's here it is. If they finish with the tie, the Giants hold the tiebreaker because they swept right. the Redskins. Right. So that's the one thing you have to remember too. Look, and I don't get me wrong, this is still a dumpster fire division. Okay. This right. is still a very bad division. But what I'm saying is you're you're asking me if I had to look at these four teams, who would I put the trust in at this point? Ron I'd Rivera. The, Ron Rivera. I, I'm not be honest with I, you. I'll be honest with you. Look, the the Giants uh, the Joe Judge, they believe in each other. And again, I'm also again keep in mind, I'm not around Washington that much. Mm-hmm. I'm not following. I'm lost in Giant Land, covering, doing this, interviewing these guys. I'm telling you from what I'm seeing, what I saw from Washington, <laughs> the two meetings that I watched against each other. Big shot, big shot. Listen, I'm not trying to. No, I, 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 I love I, it. I love it. I love it, Randy. Randy, I love no, it. I'm just telling you from what I saw from being around those two games, mm-hmm. watching those two games from what I saw from Washington, 
Yes, defense is solid. I and mean, listen, I I love Washington's defense because my boy Landon is on there. Yeah. Okay, my boy Landon Collins is there. I love Landon, but at the same time, man, again, looking at the uptick and Washington's on the uptick too. Dallas and Philadelphia, who've owned that division over the last fifteen years, are on the downtick. Okay, uh, Jake, what are your thoughts? Look. I think the Giants are the best team in the division. They've they've turned it on at, at the perfect time towards the end of the year. They've won, what, three or four straight games. I, I think they're the most talented right now. They're the most well-coached. And I think they're clearly the best team in the NFC East. But if I'm looking into crystal ball six weeks down which is the road. Not, which is not great, by the way. I think yeah. Ron Rivera is probably the, definitively the best coach in the okay. division. He's going to be the best coach in the division. He doesn't have the best team, though. Okay, let me ask you this. It's Col- uh, if Daniel Jones is missing time, and we're saying it like Daniel Jones is really an X factor, but if Daniel Jones is missing time, Cole McCoy leading you guys to a couple victories? No. I cannot confirm nor deny almost that. Lost, Cole, McCoy <laughs> almost lost, Cole McCoy almost lost to Brandon Allen. Look, if I'm looking at a crystal ball six weeks down the road, I'm taking the Washington football team 10 out of 10 times because yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, at the Giants' schedule, and I see one winnable game. They're not beating Cleveland, like you said. I don't think they're beating Arizona, even though Arizona's been really suspect the last couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. they're definitely not beating Cleveland. That is not a game Cleveland loses. Cleveland always beats teams that are – that are worse than them. So I think that that's a, that's a definite good win for Cleveland, but, but Washington still, oh, they have, they have Pittsburgh and then they have Seattle, just like, just like New York does. But then they have San Francisco, which is a, a winnable game. They have Carolina, which is a winnable game. And then they have Philadelphia, which is obviously a winnable game that they, they beat in week one. And Philadelphia has just keeps getting worse each and every week. Now they're putting in Jalen hurts and he's getting more snaps. Like if the only thing that giants have right now, especially with an injured quarterback, is they do have that tiebreaker, like you said, Randy. But I don't think the Giants get to six wins. I think the no, football team gets to six wins. I don't think and so I, either, if, especially without Daniel Jones. I just want to let you know, though, this is also Malik being a little bitter because the Giants beat the Bengals this week. I don't too. give a damn. <laughs> no, no, we don't care. We, 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 are, we are good with that. Listen, we are, we, are we, are fighting, we are fighting for something much bigger than a win against the New York football Giants. You're yeah, right. The number one draft pick. <laughs> number three, Randy. Number three. Number three. And, and there's a guy at left tackle from Oregon oh, University, and his player. name is Pene Sewell. Sign me up. Sign me up for Penny. We believe in Penny and Penny we trust. No, but uh, Max, or what trade you down and get two more picks. Relax, Max. Hey, what can you- I- <laughs> Go ahead, Randy. I was about to say before I I, I jump off. I I think if you had to ask me one thing, I did this. Um, I jumped on our football show with uh, the Zero Technique podcast, which mm-hmm. by the way can be heard every Wednesday on the Back Sports Page Network. Um, I, nice plug. Nice plug. Thank you very much. Thank you. See how I did that? Transitioned right into it. Um, they asked me the other day if I they did contenders and pretenders, and they asked me who my number one pretender is. And I hate to say this, but I think it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. I, I, I because every single time I turn on TV lately, it just seems like that team seems to Tom Brady that looks like he's keeps slipping up in big spots, and they did not look solid against the Chiefs. Mm. I watched them against the Rams. Mm. So, so something tells me, man, that, that the Buccaneer experiment might be a pretending thing. I have, I have something better for you, though. Maybe, okay. maybe, maybe the Buccaneers just have don't have their time. Listen, when I watch the Buccaneers, I feel like Tom Brady doesn't have a, a real rapport with his guys just yet. That's genuinely what I believe. And I think having Antonio Brown in that offense, it kind of like shook things up a little bit. So now he's like trying to force, you know, the ball to Antonio Brown, trying to force. You could see him like, aver- you know, honestly trying to force the ball to Mike Evans too. I don't think that necessarily. They're 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 not going to reach the potential. I think in six weeks a lot can happen. A lot can happen. We don't know. This team could actually hit their stride. 
listen, they have a talented offense. It's the most talented Tom Brady's been around in a very long time. But I, I just, I'm not ready to say that they're that they're uh, that they're uh, that they they might be pretenders just yet. I have a couple other teams who I think are pretenders before that. But, well, but Max, what what are your thoughts? I like the football team. Uh, like you said, you know, I think that they are the best coach team in the division. I think, despite the fact that the Giants have a very respectable defense, uh, I certainly think the football team has a much better defense all around. I think they're in better form in general. Yes, I know the Giants have won games as of late. I know they just beat the Eagles in a very impressive victory. Um, but you know, Daniel Jones being out is crazy. It's a talent that does make a difference in their division chances. Um, Colt McCoy did not look good against the Bengals. He, like Daniel mentioned, he almost lost to a Joe Burrow less Bengals team. And, and I don't think it's unfair to say that they aren't the best of football teams out there. So, um, assuming Colt McCoy is, is the starting quarterback for at least the next few weeks, uh, that's a big shot on the giants chances of winning the division. But even if Daniel Jones were to come back, I know he's probably not going to be playing this week, but in the future, in the near future, he should be back. I just don't know if they're going to go out and beat a Cleveland. Um, I mean, that that Dallas game, they should win, but it's not a given they'll win, right? I mean, the d- division is such a toss-up. I just think when it comes to uh, a division this wide open, you have to go down to coaching, and you have to go down to, obviously, the players on the field. But like, like I mentioned, the defense for Washington is just superior to, um, you know, the other facets – on either team in the division. I would take Washington's defense over the Giants' defense. I would take their defense over the Eagles' defense. I would take their defense over the Cowboys' defense. And I would also take their defense with respect to the other team's offenses. I would take their defenses, their defense against any other of these teams' offenses in the division. I think in general, at this very moment, they have the hottest team and the best overall team in the division. So I'm going to lean Washington football team here. Daniel? Well, 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 Randy, Randy, want to thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show. Thank tonight, you. My man. Thank uh, you, Randy. We definitely got to do this again sometime soon. Hey, guys, keep it real and keep doing what you're doing. You guys do a great job. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. You too. Yeah, um, I have to go with consistency, and I'm going to go with the Washington football team. Um, just like Max said, just like Jake said, I'm going with the coaching. I'm going with their defense. They have a top five defense in the league right now. Um and I'm going to bet on the coaching staff. Ron Rivera hired Jack Del Rio. He's done a terrific job with the defense, whether it's their front seven or whether it's the secondary. All around that defense, it's terrific. And the biggest thing is it's a crapshoot, right? The NFC East is a crapshoot. After seeing Carson Wentz last night, I can't bet on the Eagles. I sure as hell can't bet on the Cowboys after what I've seen with them. And the Giants, yes. They're in the same position as the Washington football team. But if you look at their schedules, like Jake said, the Washington football team schedule is a lot easier. Agreed, agreed. So, uh, guys, I want to I want to switch gears here. Uh, look, it's time to have a, it's time to have a, a dialogue. And I, I'm definitely stealing this from somebody from our group chat the other day. It's time to have an open dialogue. It's time to talk about Carson Wentz. Um, and uh, I, I mean this in the most respectful way. The most respectful way, Max. Most respectful way, Jake. Most respectful way, Daniel. Um, Carson Wentz might be washed. And I mean that. I mean that. He he genuinely might be washed. And I don't mean necessarily of him being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean him being the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. I genuinely believe that. And here's why. I think he might be washed because it seems like his confidence is shot. It seems like he does not trust the guys around him. And could you blame him? Look at the offensive line. Doug Peterson shouldn't be any, winning any Coach of the Year awards anytime soon. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I genuinely do. But in most situations like this, I never see it end well. It either ends with the guy hanging it up or it ends with a guy moving on to greener pastures and 
you know, re- rectifying the script. Because let me tell you what happens now. Philadelphia Eagles fans are now saying, Jalen, 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 give us Jalen Hurts. How do you overcome that? Pressure, pressure either creates diamonds or burst pipes. And in this scenario, I feel like it's going to burst a pipe. And I think uh, it's the inevitable that Jalen Hurts is going to eventually take over as a starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Not saying that he's going to be any better. I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. I'm not that big of Jalen Hurts guy, but I can understand why. A new blood, fresh air. You, you think that that guy might be something, giving you something that your current starter is not giving you. Um, I want you guys to weigh in. Jake, what are your thoughts? Carson wants washed like cleaners or – what <laughs> is he washed? Uh, no, I I don't think he's. Well, let me, let me let me let me let me let me. Is he washed as the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback? Well, no, they can't get rid of him, and they won't get rid of him. Um, and you know this is this is it's a tough situation to be in because mm-hmm. yeah, all the fans are are calling for Jalen Hurts, and you know it, it's it's tough because with this terrible offensive line, with the depleted receiving core, Alshon Jeffrey should not be wearing pads right now. He should he should not be playing football, but he is. Um, if you're gonna throw Jalen Hurts in, into the fire thinking that maybe, you know, he could, uh, he could shine. Mm. And then what do you do with Carson Wentz? Mm. But all, but also he could completely tarnish because he's playing behind a terrible offensive line. You know, go back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's offensive line was phenomenal. Uh, Alabama's offensive line was phenomenal with Jalen Hurts. He had a ton of weapons, a ton of weapons to throw to. And, you know, this Philadelphia Eagles line, what, what they once were, they are, far from that anymore so you can't throw Jalen Hurts into the fire and even if you do you're also I mean it's crazy to say that you're like risking the chance of him succeeding but right now you don't want Jalen Hurts to succeed right now because then you're stuck with Carson Wentz's crappy contract and you can't get rid of him they need to keep throwing Carson Wentz into the fire they will keep throwing Carson Wentz into the fire I mean he's what the 31st best quarterback in football right now based on on all important metrics for for a quarterback in the NFL is like 33rd in in yards per attempt, thirty first in giveaways. It's it's terrible. Um, he has like nine, I think he has ninety five off target throws, which is by far the most in the entire league. It's been rough for him, but but again, the offensive line, the depleted receiving core. I, I mean, this team drafted JJ Arcega Whiteside over DK Metcalf, and then they drafted Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson. Like, it's what can Carson Wentz do really? Like, he, but he he needs to get more accurate. He used to be accurate. He used to be mobile. But listen. But, uh, he, can, can we can we can we like cut the b not you necessarily but can we just cut the bs in half real quick for a second? He's awful right We've now. Seen this, no, right no 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 not even that. We've seen this story play out a million and one times. We've seen it play out. We know what the we know what the end is going to what, what it's going to look like. It's going to look like with Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback by the end of the year, whether it be for two games, one game, three games for the Philadelphia Eagles, because eventually people are going to keep calling for it. The Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to just magically figure it out. That's not what's going to happen here. He's going to keep struggling, right? And then eventually he's going to throw him into the fire. Then it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna bring questions in in the offseason. What does that look like? I'm not saying that they're gonna get rid of him, but that's a real question now. I, listen, I don't think that it's just gonna be. I, do do I do, do I believe that Carson Wentz is solely to blame in Philly? Absolutely not. I think it's the I think it's uh the, this coaching staff. I think it's uh management up top. I think that they should have surrounded him better. They should have surrounded him better. But I, I I said this a long time ago on the podcast. You have to think about psychologically what that does to Carson Wentz, right? Ever since he's come back from his ACL injury, he's been trying to prove that he belongs. He's been trying to prove that he could be the guy for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sometimes that looks like him being Superman when he doesn't need to be, which is why he forces passes. But that's a very real thing that we have to talk about. There's a reason why the man is struggling. And for us to simply think he's going to snap his fingers and get better before it gets worse, it's not going to happen. Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles by the end of the season. By the end of the Whether season. that's for a game or two, who knows? It's going to happen though. Uh, Daniel, 
He, Jalen Hurts um, will start a game as yeah. a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback this season. He will. I see, and so I'm gonna give like a little bit of different perspective. They, they, are, they are they already went there, right? I mean, he already took some snaps away from last night. Okay, but and, he's they've been they've been doing that all season. Like no, so, Daniel, 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 that's not you're you're missing my point. I'm not. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't give a damn if he's a starting yeah, quarterback or not. Yeah. But what I'm saying is subliminally, what they're doing is they're it's creeping in. Change well, is they, creeping in. Whether it's they for didn't a game, draft him, huh? They they didn't draft him in the second round to be a wildcat specialist. That's for sure. But Absolutely. first year, so you have, you have to ask yourself what, what does that say? What I I'm not saying that he and I'm not I'm not saying that. It is that that like that that should be the case. But what I'm yeah. saying is we know the NFL is a different monster. We know the NFL is a different monster. These guys get pressured and they feel like they got to start their guy, they got to start their guys. You have to at least do yourself the due diligence to see what you have in Jalen Hurts. And let me tell you what's gonna happen, Jake. The more you see Jalen Hurts coming for one or two plays and it looks positive, positive, and the more you see Carson Wentz and it looks negative and negative, it's like maybe, maybe, maybe Jalen Hurts can do it. And then that's when Jalen Hurts gets to start at quarterback one game for the Philadelphia Eagles, and we see how he does. And if he does well, well, it's his job for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest questions I have, and I don't know if any of us can answer, did Doug Peterson want Jalen Hurts? That's my question. Because if he did, I feel like Jalen Hurts should have started two weeks ago, three weeks ago. There must be a reason why he's not starting. I feel like Doug Peterson isn't willing to commit yet. I don't think he's willing to because as soon as you flip that switch, you're giving up on Carson Wentz. As soon as you put him in, you are giving up. And I don't believe – like, listen, Doug Peterson kept him over Nick Foles. I think that they want – or Doug Peterson wants him to be their quarterback. Let me, let, me ask, let, me ask, let me ask a different question. Since Carson Wentz has been the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback, when has he not had someone breathing down his neck? Obviously, Josh yeah. McCown is Josh McCown, but he's always had somebody. He's always had someone yeah, waiting absolutely. there. And I think the fact that he can't that he can't stay healthy, and notice that with the air quotations because ACL injury, it's not like you can't stay healthy. It's not like you can really control shoulder injury. He's always had somebody breathing down his neck. And I feel like at a moment's notice, it's like uh, even we drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round because maybe Carson Wentz won't work out. Maybe Carson Wentz. I think they did that more so because they didn't think Carson Wentz. Not, they didn't expect Carson Wentz mentally to fail. They expected Carson Wentz, in my opinion, physically to fail. I think they expected him to break down physically. So Jalen Hurts was waiting in the wings in that scenario. Max, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think, I think your explanation for that is, that's entirely valid. I think in part, you know, his injury history is there, right? It's there as clear as clear as day. So, um, you know, with, with Foles out the door, they needed some reinforcement. And I think that's why you draft a guy like Jalen Hurts so high. I personally don't agree with the decision because if, you're, if you have a franchise quarterback, why would you draft, you know, seemingly his backup so early in the draft, right? But look, he here's the thing with Doug Peterson, and, and, and Daniel actually mentioned this. You know, I think he trusts Carson Wentz. I think he does think Carson Wentz is the guy because he knows what most of us know, which is with the right situation, when healthy, Carson Wentz is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I know that sounds terrible now because he's playing horribly. And a lot of it is confidence. I don't think his skill went away. I don't think he's any worse than he was when he was a borderline MVP candidate a couple of years ago. I think it's just you take away his offensive line, you take away his weapons and his confidence is shot, like you said. So look, like I said, he's a top 10 quarterback when the situation's right. Do I think his future as the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback is in question? Absolutely. Do I think it's a done deal? No, I don't think he's going to be gone. 
Uh, Jake mentioned the fact that, you know, it's going to be hard to get rid of him unless they trade him given that contract. I think it's like if they, if they were to cut him, I believe in a year or two, he has like an over $50 million cap yeah, on their, on their overall cap. Yeah, so they can't get rid of him. They would have to trade him. Absolutely. Um, and, and I don't know if there's any right Colts, Colts, Potentially, Colts, potentially. Colts. But I think but I think even they would maybe consider a Darnold over him. Yeah. Um, but look, let me That's get to right my lane. point. My point is, right, my point is, I think the, the thing is, and I hate to use a page out of the Dolphins book, but what did the Dolphins do this past draft? Right? Our offensive line last year was abysmal, horrible, right? They took Austin Jackson, middle of the first round, and in the in the earlier rounds, you know, Round two, round three, they got Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt. They got some – these aren't necessarily going to be star guys, but these are guys you can fill into those positions to at least be decent and build a foundation. Mm. That's something the Eagles need to prioritize in this draft. I'm not saying they're going to go out and, t- and get a – right, I'm not saying they're going to go out and get a Panay Sowell because I expect the Bengals to do that for them um, instead of them. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a star a star uh, uh, offensive lineman. It just needs to be some depth. Some You have to build a foundation well, there. Luckily, luckily we'll for the start first- seeing – Luckily for the what? Philadelphia Eagles, this offensive line for agency, whoa, Calabunga, it's great. Oh, I forgot the Philadelphia Eagles are <laughs> not in a good space cap space-wise. Right, but let me, let me finish. Look, uh, and, and look, it starts with building a foundation in the offensive yeah. line, and I think the other pieces will fall into place. Yes, I know they need some reinforcement with receivers, but I think, again, offensive line is the most important area on the offense. Once you address that, the other pieces start falling into place. I agree 100%. Guys, I want to keep this conversation going. We're going to switch gears here. I want to talk about the first-year head coaches in the NFL. I want to rank them. I want to see who people think. How do you think they stack up? How do you think they're, they're doing versus against each other? And so I'm going to I'm going to remind everybody who the first-year head coaches in the NFL are right now. We've got Mike McCarthy, the greatest – get out of here. Uh, Mike McCarthy, the Dallas Cowboys head football coach. We've got Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington the Washington football team. We've got Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. We've got Matt Rule, my guy, my guy, Matt Rule, head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And we have Joe Judge. He's judging you. We got Joe Judge of the New York Football Giants. Guys, where do they rank? Max, I want to get I want to start this one off with you. Um, are we going like one by one or just in Yeah, general? how would you how would you rank them? How would, how do you okay, think? Okay, so yeah. So personally, look, I've been saying this since the, before the seasons. Kevin Stavansky was going to be the hire of the offseason. Look what he's doing with the Browns. Yeah, I know they have looked shaky. They don't really look like a legitimate eight and three, you know, real contender in the playoffs, but they're going to get to the playoffs. Playoff. Right. A lot of it is, I agree. I think a lot of it is Baker. But point is, they're going to get to the playoffs. That's going to be the first time they've been in the playoffs in what, almost 20 years? Yeah. They um, might win a game, too. They, they might win a game. game. Look, that, what does Stavansky do? He brought in that run heavy. Offense that he had over in Minnesota to yeah. Cleveland, and it's working phenomenally. So I think Kevin Stefanski is by far the best on the list. I would put Ron Rivera right up there with Joe Judge. I think both of those guys, I think especially Joe Judge, Judge is exceeding expectations. Yes, obviously that division is a dumpster fire. You know they're not a, they're not a good football team, but no. considering the situation, he's making the most out of the situation. And they really are in the thick of things he's, in that division. He's the Brian Flores of this year. Mark my words. I I and I agree. Uh, Joe, the same coach Joe Judge. You. Joe Judge is Joe Judge is going to be the is going to be the Brian Flores of this. I don't know. Year. I don't know. Listen, Brian we'll see. Flores, we'll see next no, year. We'll see well, 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 what I'm saying. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can see his foundation being. Yes. You can see his yeah. players are player. His players play disciplined. You can see that. I'm I'm visualized. I'm seeing that with Joe Joe Judge. And listen, I said when they hired him, I said that was a great hire by the Giants. People were like, oh my god, no, I want an offensive guy. No, listen, Joe Judge. 
listen, he's not a name that's going to be like, wow, it's great. It's amazing hire. But listen, if you're looking for stability, if you, and that's what the Giants need, the Giants needed a culture. One thing they had with Tomlin, they had a culture, right? They had a culture with Mike Tom. I mean, well, I said Tomlin with Tom Coughlin. They had a culture with Tom Coughlin and it produced two Super Bowls. So who's to say it will not do the same, but continue, Max, I cut you off. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, And, and I agree with all what you said. You know, I think Joe Judge, I would put him at two only because he's exceeding expectations considering the situation. By no means does he have a good football team. Now, Ron Rivera is right there because, you know, we knew this was going to be a long process. We knew that Washington had needed – we're going to go through a real rebuild. But we mentioned it just now. They should be the favorites in the division. Their defense is top five in the NFL right now at this very moment. So, um, look, I think I think Ron Rivera, he's going to build – He's going to build a successful culture. It'll take time, but you know what Ron Rivera brings, and that is grit, and that is winning. Um, And I would say, and I know I'm probably missing some people, but I would say at the very bottom of the list has to be Mike McCarthy at the moment. You're missing Matt Rule. Oh, Matt Rule. I'm so sorry. That's right, Matt Rule. Let me get into Matt Rule. Matt Rule, in my opinion, look, I expected Carolina to be one of the worst football teams in the league, and look, they're not a great football team but they're showing a lot of signs of life. Teddy Bridgewater, when healthy, is playing incredibly well. That offense has a lot. Listen, Christian McCaffrey's been out for the majority of the year, and Mike Davis has really done a great job in filling in that role, and a lot of it is Mike Rule's coaching staff. Um, I think those guys are, listen, they're an up-and-coming defense. They drafted all defense this past Mm -hmm. year. Those guys are playing well considering that they're so young and they're just continuing. So I think Matt Rule, again, brings a winning culture to Carolina, and again, it's going to be a gradual process, but – they really do have a healthy foundation. I think Teddy Bridgewater has the potential to be the guy. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and to finish and to finish, look, Mike McCarthy, I say is the biggest disappointment by far because he he's supposed to bring in, you know, the pedigree from Green Bay, all those years of success. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. People don't realize that's mostly Aaron Rodgers. That's not really him, right? Um and look, yes, I know Dak Prescott's been hurt or got hurt. I know that that offensive line has been, you know, going through a lot of different changes. There's no excuse for being that bad and that abysmal, especially on the defensive side. You bring in a new defensive coordinator. I mean, Ken Norton, his highlight is, you know, getting Tabasco in his eye. I mean, that's, that should be, you know, that should describe how the season is going for the Cowboys. And a lot of that is on him. Mm -hmm. It's his job to bring in guys that are going to make a difference uh, from a coaching perspective immediately. And he's not doing that. And the Cowboys are suffering because of it. Daniel. Wow. Can't really top that. Um, I would say number one, easily Matt rule. Um, the reason is, for me personally, I know for a lot of us, we were all concerned with this hire, right? The, the people said he got a six-year contract, I believe. And Malik, we were all talking about this. We were saying Joe Wait, Brady's... Who, but, but who was concerned? concerned. I was Everyone concerned. was concerned. Well, no, no, I don't think the word concerned. concerned. I think people were questioning no. it because he's a I, 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 I always knew what he was going to do. I mean, I, this is a guy that, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, right? He recruited my brother. I saw him turn the Temple program around. I saw him turn Biller around. Yeah. Like, I... I wasn't really – I was never questioning the matter. Well, well, I mean, we were concerned about, like, this whole coaching staff. We were concerned about the direction of this Panthers team. Joe Brady's never been an offense coordinator. Has he? He's never been an offense coordinator, and he's, he's he never called surprised players. a lot of us. What? He never called players. I mean, he, he can surprise you. You can speak for yourself. I, I know in my scenario, I wasn't really shocked. Okay, okay. Well, he surprised the vast majority of us. Sure. The, the Carolina Panthers have. Right. Cool. Last year, they lost eight defensive starters. They drafted all the guys. And right now, it's like the young guys on defense are outplaying the older guys. Right. Their offensive efficiency has gone up from 27th last year to 10th right now. They're top 10 offense right now. Mm-hmm. Out Christian McCaffrey. Like he's definitely surprised me. So I would go him at number one. Number two, I would say Ron Rivera just because of the 
the situation he was dealt in Washington, right? They were going through whole front office turmoil this offseason. Not sure what he's going to do with the quarterback. He has He's playing a guy, Alex Smith, who hasn't played since 2017. They're fielding a top five defense in the league. I think Ron Rivera, what he's done for that culture, puts him up there at number two. Number three, I think, um, I'd say, oh my gosh, um, Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. At the beginning of the year, we were concerned. We were talking about this team. Are they going to implode? We were saying Baker Mayfield. He's obviously an issue, but I've been saying, and the biggest thing he's done, he's minimized Baker Mayfield's weaknesses. Baker Mayfield, what he's done, all he says, all Kevin Stefanski has done is say, Baker Mayfield, we're going we're gonna to run the ball. All you have to do, play action passes. You're going to be a game manager. We don't want you to force any turnovers. And over the past four weeks, he has zero interceptions. Baker Mayfield's been doing what is asked, and right now they're an 8-3 and three football team. He, uh, he, in the second quarter in the Jacksonville game, he also threw his he missed, first touchdown. He missed, he, no, he the touch the first touchdown pass he threw in Jacksonville was his first touchdown pass since week seven. Yeah, but also. they're winning football games. That's that's all that's all Stefanski has to do so, is win football games. So so regardless, anyway, uh, pretty much uh, the, the way I look at the situation uh, over in Cleveland was everyone knew uh, Kevin Stefanski, right? You don't need to be a brain surgeon and act like it's rocket science, like it's so, like so amazing. Everyone knew Kevin Stefanski was going to perform at in the NFL. We knew he was ready to be a yeah. coach. The Browns screwed it up when they hired Freddie Kitchens uh, at the recommendation of Baker Mayfield prior. It's not too often in the NFL where you get to rectify your mistakes. So you get an opportunity to rectify your mistakes. You get to hire the coach that you should have hired all along, <coughs> Eric Bannemey. Um, But they, they have the opportunity to do that, right? It's it's not too often that that comes across your desk, but you have the opportunity to do that. So I look at a situation like in Cleveland where Kevin Stefanski, wow, amazing, man. You're doing exactly what you were supposed to do. It's great because you're a first-year coach, but let's not act like he doesn't have also a loaded, uh, a, a loaded, um, a loaded offense. But here's what I will say, right? I'm not so much impressed with what he's done and from a play caller standpoint. I'm more so impressed with what he's done for done from a management standpoint. What do I mean by that? Everybody was so focused on making Baker Mayfield the number one overall pick and making sure the Browns under the, the Browns felt good about that pick. I got news flash for you. Max, do you have a trash can around? No, you don't have one? I, I said it in the podcast before. Baker Mayfield is trash and i mean that i mean that in the most respectful way <laughs> he's absolutely well, uh, malik malik can i add sure. to that i don't sure. mean to interrupt i think if their best chance to win a playoff game is not with oh. baker mayfield is with it's with mm. case keenum mm. if case keenum comes in that he oh, gives him a better chance gives that team oh. a better chance to you win know, a playoff you know game what amazing? you know what amazing what if right what if what if the cleveland browns traded for sam darnold in the offseason just what if That'd be what great. if they did that it's an upgrade from Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is trash. I genuinely mean that. And listen, at the end of the day, I understand. I, I'm, I'm more so impressed with the fact that Kevin Stefanski was like, okay, we have we have issues on this football team, but it's from a management standpoint, right? We didn't do offensive line coach. They got rid of the guy, Bob Wiley. I think that, that was like, <laughs> kind of laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that we, they brought in, what did they bring? They brought in, what, they brought in uh, they, Callahan. They, yeah. They brought in Bill Callahan. Who's, Bill Callahan. You know, he is the creator of the Great Wall of Dallas. He is the person who made the Dallas, the infamous Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Well, what do you know? They went out and they drafted Jerdrick Willis. Then what did they do? They went out and they picked up uh, uh, Jack Conklin. Conklin. They picked up Jack Conklin. Uh, they drafted Ezra Cleveland. They uh, No, that was the Vikings, sorry. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they made move, the necessary moves that they were supposed to make. Then Kevin Zafanski, you look at what he did. He was 
he was able to say, listen, Baker, you ain't it. So you're not it. We'll keep you a starting quarterback. We're going to hand it off. We're going to beat teams. He was able to rip up his entire game plan of what he wanted. Because you remember the first game of the season, they got blown out by the Ravens because he wanted Baker Mayfield to be what Baker Mayfield was not. Listen, I always said Baker Mayfield is an MVP type of quarterback when he's throwing against air. He is an MVP caliber quarterback when he has nobody. So he throws a great deep ball and all this kind of stuff. It looked great. But I I, I, I love the fact that Kevin Stefanski was able to go recognize that Baker Mayfield was trash, go away from it, and rip up the game plan and, and sort of change, change the direction. Second, Matt Rule, hats off to you. Hats off to you. Doing an amazing job. He's turning. He's doing the same thing pretty much that he was doing everywhere he's been. It's been a little bit quicker than I kind of anticipated, I would say. I mean, I expected them to – to do to be have a winning record, I just I'm like wow, like Matt Matt Rule is really really a dog. At the end of the day, he's really a dog. He's doing a great job. Um, I look at Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is doing an amazing job over in um in Washington. But again, it's Ron Rivera. We all knew what he was going to do. You give Ron Rivera uh, an All Star defensive, uh, defensive um, defensive uh, defensive freaking roster like he has right now. He's doing a great job. Um, Joe Judge, I think he's going to, like I said before, I think the word of the guy, I think he's going to be the Brian Flores of this year. He's going to continue. He's going to build his culture there. Oh, Mike McCarthy. Let's talk about you. Mike McCarthy. Listen, I'm disappointed in Mike McCarthy, uh, but I never believed in the hire from day one. You can go back all the way to the podcast when they first announced the hiring of him. Wasn't a believer in it. Listen, Mike McCarthy is a one-trick pony to me. And the fact that he cannot win, listen, we can all make the argument that the Dallas Cowboys have the most talented roster in the NFC East, if not in the probably potentially in the NFL. Potentially in the NFL, their roster is talented. Look at the receiving core. The offensive say, line's bad. You can you can say you bad. can say you can say you can say oh Dak Prescott went out and stuff like that, right? We can say that, but they have a capable quarterback in Andy Dalton. They definitely do. Um, from a defensive standpoint, you hire the defensive coordinator, Ken Norton Jr. I, I, I mean, Ken Norton is he junior or senior? I'm not sure what he is, but um, it's Ken Norton. And, oh, God, it's just Ken Norton. It's just Ken Norton. We'll just start saying that on the podcast. It's Ken Norton. Don't worry about it. But, no, he, he, he his defense is playing abysmal. They're playing awful. And I, I, with Chris Richard as a defensive coordinator, listen, the Dallas Cowboys' defense wasn't amazing, but they certainly look better than this. Guess who's still a free agent, guys? Guess who's still sitting Guess who's still sitting out there? Guess who doesn't have a job? Chris Richard. I didn't get it. I never understood why Mike McCarthy moved on from but he kept Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. Once again, these are decisions I just do not understand. Chris Richard really, really should have stayed there. Really should have stayed I think, there. I think that and defense, even though they're lacking a lot of talent, I think it's a him. It's a him thing. It's yeah. a him thing. It's not. Yeah. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not the player thing. It's clearly the scheme. Dude, listen, you can be mm. a bad defense, but you don't just go. You don't just just drop off that bad. You have, you have some talented passers. You have uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. You have Alden Smith, who at one point was leading the NFL in sacks. He still might be. I'm not sure. You have Randy Gregory, who's came off a of suspension, and he's playing like he picked up right where he left off. So, no. Leighton Van Esch? Leighton I mean, Van yeah. so, so I'm guessing Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are just automatically bums. Cry me a river. It's not the defense. It's clearly the defensive coordinator. It's clearly his coaching staff. And you know what the thing about Jerry Jones is? Jerry Jones is going to be like, he's not going to be the one to admit that, hey, I, I I screwed this up, but he screwed it up. He screwed it up. Jason Garrett, people, Cowboys fans wanted to point the finger at Jason Garrett, point the finger, at J- and I understand because if he isn't the solution, he's a problem, and the Dallas Cowboys weren't getting the job done. But the fact of the matter that Jason Garrett, who everybody swore up and down was such an awful coach, was able to get five, six, you know, X amount of wins out of this team, and Mike McCarthy is like, Dallas Cowboys are going to have a what? A top what pick this year? Top ten? Top five? Maybe top, even five? top five? It's disgusting. Another game. It's, it's disgusting. So uh yeah, I don't I I I I'm 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 sort of at a loss for words because 
I always get duped, bamboozled by the Dallas Cowboys. I didn't pick them this year because I learned my lesson from last year, but they did it again. Oops, they did it again, and they played terrible. One guy goes out, another guy comes in. What's up, Pranav? What's going on with you, my man? You joined right as we're talking uh, as we're talking some NFL um, action. Guys, we want to keep the conversation moving. Listen, we talked about the coaches that are uh, – we talked about the coaches that are uh, doing poorly. Uh, well, 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 I'm sorry. We talked about the new the new coaches that we that we ranked them. I want to talk about the coaches that are doing poorly, guys. The coaches that are on the hot seat. So uh, let's talk about them. Let's uh, let's get let's get the conversation going. Jake, I'm let you start this one off. Um, who should get fired? We saw Matt Patricia get fired already. We've seen uh, we've seen um, who else have we seen get fired, guys? Matt Patricia, Jaguars, uh, uh, and, and Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Uh, yeah, Doug Marone is still there. Um, who, who got fired? No, he did not. It was, it was Bill, Bill, Bill O'Brien and Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. That's it. Oh, and Matt Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. There you go. Dan Quinn with the Falcons. So, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll ask you this: What coaches should be replaced, and who should replace them? Let's map it out. Let's take the Falcons first. Let's take the Falcons first. Jake, the Falcons. Well. First of all, what's the name of their interim head coach? I always forget. But he, Raheem Morris, yeah, not bad. He is he is doing such a good job. Like he's like that great. should not be Amazing. like that should not be awesome. understated. He's doing a very Woo. good job. Do I think he's gonna stay? No. no. Do I that think is- Romeo Cornell is gonna stay in Houston? No. When do interim head coaches really get the job? Like, I mean, Bruce Arians w- went like seven and two in Indianapolis when um, ah. Oh. Who is it? Who who is their coach? Why am I blanking? The guy who who was sick. But anyways, the 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 Colts head coach who was sick. Bruce Arians came in, went seven two, Pagano, didn't get the Chuck job. Pagano Pagano, 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 Chuck Pagano was sick. Bruce Arians came in, went like seven and two, seven one, didn't get the job. Like these guys aren't going to keep the job. As as far as as who should replace them, uh, people should look at the Carolina Panthers and say, okay, this works. Jerry Jones, way back in the day, went down to the college ranks, got Jimmy Johnson, won a few Super Bowls. Like this, like this works. No big deal. And, and, yeah, no big deal. Uh, like 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 going to the college ranks, getting Joe Brady as offensive coordinator, who had never called plays, getting getting uh, Matt Rule, who who turned two programs around in a span of what six years. Like that, uh, go to the college ranks, get these guys. I look at Iowa State, Matt Campbell, uh, last year PJ Fleck, Minnesota's crap right now. Um, so not probably not him. Um, someone's gonna hire Jim Harbaugh. I think someone's gonna hire Jim Harbaugh. I really think someone's should. gonna hire Jim as Harbaugh. They should. As they should. No. The, whoa, 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 yeah. Listen, see, this is why you can't have young guys join uh, join the podcast and then. I remember that Super Bowl was yesterday, not, Malik. But come he on, cannot, man. You cannot discount the job he did in San Francisco. He was literally listen, 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 listen. The only reason why this man is out of the NFL is because he chose to be out of the NFL. He had teams banging down his door like they do every single year for him to come back to coaching. No, he, oh, someone's going to hire him. Because you know why? You know, why you know what he said? Why he said he left? He got tired of the politics of the NFL. The reason why he is no longer the 49ers head coach was because he just did a terrible job. That's not why. He right. got under Jed York's skin because he's like, we need to win. They said, they said he's too obsessed with winning. I've never seen a coach get fired because – they were on your ass about winning. I've never seen that. But Jed York and the 49ers came to a mutual uh, came to a mutual agreement with John uh, Jim Harbaugh, basically saying your services are no longer needed here because he's like, hey, 
these guys, like, like, like we got you have got to help me out here. We've got to get better. And do you remember what happened to the 49ers when he left? Everybody retired. Everybody and their mama retired. Their 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 rookie linebacker Chris Borland, I believe at the time his name was. Uh, he won rookie rookie defense player of the year. He retired. Uh, Patrick Willis retired. Patrick Willis. I mean, all these guys were just falling off a cliff, and they all were like, Jim Harbaugh's our coach. There's no reason why he should have been part mutually parted. And then they hired Jim Tom Sula. The well, and, and also you have to remember, like, he also chose college because, A, his alma mater had a position right. open. And right. he got – college coaches get paid substantially more than NFL coaches typically. So he ran and got his bag ultimately, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you look at what he did, what he did. I mean, look, look at what the 49ers – the 49ers are just now coming out of the mud essentially since they got rid of – since Jim Harbaugh was no longer the coach. They hired Jim Tom Sula. They hired Chip Kelly. Like – Kyle Shanahan was a slam dunk hire. It was great for them, but I'm not going to sit up. I will not accept any Jim Harbaugh slander because the man did an amazing job in the NFL. And honestly, he's a better head coach than his brother. But we're, that's a different conversation for another day. He's a better head coach than his brother. What? What? He's a better head coach than his brother. His brother beat him in the Super Bowl. Sure. He, had Ray, he also had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and that defense was no, – No, I not, know, but that's, – I mean, that's, that's absurd. Look, what Jim, Har what Jim Harbaugh did was – Ray Lewis' last career game. I mean, that's not the same Ray Lewis. He made, like back he made four NFC championships back-to-back. How is that absurd? He Look, was with the 49 for four years, bro. He made the – he took them to three NFC championships, and one of them went to the, they went to the Super Bowl, and they lost when the, when the lights went out. How's what he, Jim how's Harbaugh did with Stanford was great. What he did with San Francisco was I'm not great. About the but he hasn't done anything at Michigan. He, you're Michigan is what he did in college. That matters, well, Malik. You have to take season, that into he's been account. there for six years. No. He's been there for six years. Michigan's a worse program than when they started. Michigan, Michigan is in shambles right now. They just lost to an right. 0 5 Penn oh, State. I, I mean, he's not, he's not even that. They're, they're a worse coach. program than when he got there. He's an NFL coach. He's an NFL San Francisco. And he's San Francisco got better when he left. Stanford got better when he left. No, no, he didn't. No, they did not. San Francisco did not get better when he left. What are you talking about? Well, they hired well, Jim Tom Sula. They hired Jim Tom Sula. Jim Tom Sula was the head coach for a year. They hired Chip Kelly. He was head coach for a year and a half. They were literally going they, through a turnstile at head, head coaches. They just got it right because they hired Kyle Shanahan. And well, the rebuild. The, they rebuilt it. They they had all the players left. All, all the players left. They they rebuilt it. They 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 had a better head coach and they got better. It took them. It took them how many years to get Kyle Shanahan? Well, that's not the point. No, it is the point. You said they got better. So listen, you can say they eventually got better. Yes, Michigan's awful with them. You can say that about anybody, though. How many coaches did the Patriots go through before they hired Bill Belichick? Oh, you can say, oh yeah, they made it right because they eventually got. But no, that's not that's not a fair statement at all. We can say the Eagles got the Eagles got it right when they hired Chip Kelly over and they got rid of Andy Reid. No, but they hired they hired Doug Peterson. And they won the Super Bowl because they went outside eighteen free agents. That's come on now, no. Not at all. Look, not at all. Look, you can't judge what he did, did, Giants, in, did Giants, in the, did the early Giants, of the decade. Did the, Giants, did the Giants get it right because they because they let go of Tom Coughlin and they hired what Ben McAdoo and then they no, hired the Giants. Should, the Giants should never let go of Tom Coughlin. So exactly, my point exactly. That doesn't mean just because you get rid of a guy does not mean all of a sudden because it took you four or five years to get the job right because oh they made the right hire. No, it took you 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 fell on your face too twice. You fell on your face to a throughout a coaching hire twice and then you hired the right guy that is that's not a reflection of the guy you let go the guy took you to three nfc championships he had a colin kaepernick with a bum arm uh who had surgery three 10 years it was 10 years ago my point is but you're making it seem like they you said they got better once they got rid of jim harbaugh and that's false they, they eventually they, got better they they, they, they built they rebuilt their program year. they just got better last year 
when they went to the well, Super Bowl. They had Bowl, to rebuild. They, they had to rebuild because they they sucked for as, so as far, as far as I'm concerned, Jim Harbaugh and and, and Kyle Shanahan have done the exact same thing. That, that no. they're literally right on. How you're not? They both went to the Super because, Bowl and lost. Well, well, because Colin Kaepernick was better than Jimmy Garoppolo, like a lot better. Colin Kaepernick was a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But anyways, that's beside the point. Like, do you, Jim Harbaugh has been a bad football Smith, coach. Even, first, even, with, even the, with Alex Smith, he took them to three NFC championships. Jim Harbaugh has been a bad coach for the latter half of the decade. And in, in, in the new decade. Absolutely. He's terrible at Michigan. He's not a college coach. He's an NFL coach. He can't elevate talent. talent. And he's proven at that. He's proven in the He's going to get hired. I'm, t- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you. He's going to get hired. Someone's going to hire him. And look, if, if he takes one sniff of Paul Brown Stadium, I'm out. I'm done. Well, then at that one point, I'm questioning your Paul Brown Stadium. At that point, I'm questioning your fandom. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So anyway, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Uh, by the way, guys, that was my job. That was my idea of calling out the winner of the debate tournament here at TWSN. Whoa. So uh, congratulations, Whoa. Jake. Uh, anyway, we want to keep it going. Listen, let's talk about some coaches, guys, that should be on the hot seat. Max, who's your coach that should be on the hot seat? Who do you think should be let go? Adam Gaze. Oh, come on. <laughs> I think that's a pretty clear one. <laughs> oh, who, do you think should replace, who do you think should replace Who do you think should replace uh, Adam Gase in New York? Better yet, who would want to go to New York? Well, oh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm saying, well, assuming they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, because they will get Trevor Lawrence, right? I think Eric Bieniemy's best option is indeed in New York. I think he has the chance to build something special in, in New York. You give him a guy like Joe, or I was going to say the Bengals are a good one too, but you give him a guy like Trevor Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than Joe Burrow. He will be a better pro than Joe Burrow. You heard it here first. I'm sorry. He was a better college quarterback career-wise too, but I'm not going to get into that. Point is, look, the Jets are in shambles. It's not their it's not their front office's fault. It's their coaching staff. And their current front office did not hire Adam Gase. People forget that, okay? You bring in a guy like Eric Bieniemy. He's going to shape up the entire identity of that team. And sure, it'll be a gradual process because the Jets are in a terrible place. But you give them a franchise guy like Trevor Lawrence to start off with. They already have some young guys offensively like Denzel Mims. They have um, Makai Becton, who's a franchise guy um, at left tackle. Look, you continue building that offensive line. And eventually the pieces will fall. Like I said, similar to the Eagles, you keep building that. You keep building that offensive line. The pieces will fall. Trevor Lawrence is a transcendent talent. He is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. He will live up to those standards. And I think Eric Bieniemy is the guy to take the take the Jets far under Trevor Lawrence. He's not wrong. Like I have a, not, I have, I have, I have, I, he's not. He's not wrong. But he's not right. I mean, he's not right. He should, not right. He should go to Houston. That's not what it is. He should go to Houston. Yeah. Let me tell you why he should go to Houston. Right. Listen. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to go with what he's familiar with, right? Who's more familiar? No, I am not saying they are the exact same type of quarterback. That's not what I'm saying at all. But they're comparable in a lot of in a lot of different areas. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. That type of quarterback is something that Eric Bieniemy is used to. I can see Eric Bieniemy aligning himself with Deshaun Watson. They have a fast receiver over there. He's not Tariq Hill. Again, he's not Tariq Hill, but they have a fast receiver over there and a guy like Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller, we don't know if they'll resign him. They probably won't. He'll probably leave in the offseason if he doesn't get suspended again for performance enhancement drugs. Um, but I see Eric Bieniemy being the perfect fit for he is. the Houston Well, and, and to be honest, to add to that point, you know, we saw them shell out cash for Bill O'Brien. Who's to say yeah. they wouldn't shell out cash for Eric Bieniemy? I mean, I the one shot, yeah, right. I mean, the one thing I have against, say, the Jets, and frankly, you guys can attest to this, probably the Bengals too. 
Who's to say that those owners are going to shell out that much cash for a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who's going to demand such a high contract? You know he oh will. So I think that the Texans, the reason why I could I could see the Texans is I, I, the fit thing I kind of see, but I honestly think he wants to start something on his own. But I just don't know if an owner of a Jets or a Bengals would be willing to shell out that much cash for for a coach, whereas the Texans have already proven they have no issue doing so. I, I, I wanted to bring Pranav in here because I want Pranav. Pranav is a Chiefs fan, if you guys don't know, but he's also our NBA insider here at the Rightly Sports Now. He does a phenomenal job. You can catch him on the On the Ball podcast every single Friday night. They do an amazing job over there. Pranav, I wanted to ask you, since you are a Chiefs fan, you're, you live in Missouri, you, you, you kind of know the, law, the layout of the land. Describe to me what is what is the overall opinion from Chief from Chiefs Kingdom? That's what you guys call yourself, right? Chiefs Kingdom. What is the <laughs> overall opinion of Chiefs Kingdom of uh, Eric Bieniemy? And do you think Eric Bieniemy can go somewhere and be that guy to create culture? Do you think he is uh, another disciple of Andy Reid that would do a phenomenal job as head coach, or is he just a a, uh, a glorified um, running backs coach that has offered? I believe he could be a good coach anywhere else. Um, he brings a culture with him of being a leader of men. Like um, you attested to the other night, he just gets under people's faces if they don't do their job. And I think that's exactly what a team like the Los Angeles Chargers needs. And he also has common sense. You, you see Anthony Lynn over there with under a minute left. He doesn't stretch the ball down the field. Eric Bannemi will stretch the ball down the field. And the Chargers, who I believe is a head coach away more than a pick away or a player away, I think they're going to massively improve if they bring Eric Bieniemy on board. All of these close wins that they seem to have been losing a lot of, um, they're going to change. They're going to start winning games that they should have been winning. And I think Eric Bieniemy to the Los Angeles, Los mm. Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert and a system that's already built. You see, if he goes to New York – Damn, that was good. I didn't think that. If he goes to Cincinnati, sure, they're already they're further along than New York, but they're still building. Houston, they have Deshaun Watson, but not much else. I feel like LA, who's already projected to have a top five pick in the 2021 draft, is probably the best destination for Bienemy to go. I, you know, I, I want to shout you on that, Panop, because that's something I did not think of. I totally forgot that Justin Herbert was uh that was that was in the same division as you guys and the ownership of the you know the los angeles uh chargers are probably looking at uh eric Bieniemy like wow we see what this they're incompetent doing. malik malik they're incompetent dean spanos is an incompetent yeah. owner look i i agree with pranav in terms of a fit perspective i thought about that too but the only reason why i would go against it is the same reason why i say maybe the Bengals or the jets may not get him mm-hmm. i don't think dean spanos is going to be willing to shell out cash we've seen him doing it in the past he doesn't like paying his coaches, and his team has suffered and underachieved as a result. That's why Philip Rivers hasn't seen playoff success, because his owner doesn't want to shell out the cash for the right guys. But from a fit perspective, I completely agree with Pranav. Absolutely. Jake, were you about to say something? Yeah, I, I have a better fit for the Chargers. Now, I, I was going to mention the Chargers and Anthony Lynn should be fired right now, and he's going to get That's probably going to get fired, fired at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the year. Um, I actually – I mean, well, when you – on paper, yeah – Matching up offense with Herbert, it makes sense. Matching up my offense defense with with Justin Herbert. But no, no, no. I'm gonna look at the Buffalo Bills, and uh, they they brought in a guy named Brian Dable okay, for, for a mega oh God, a God. mega arm quarterback. They developed him. They breeded him like a dog. I I, I say that all the time. I, I love it. But but Josh Allen was brought up by by uh, Sean McDermott and and uh Brian Dable and Brian Dable is going to get serious head coaching. Inquiries he in he this should. winter. 
And he is not the marquee guy. He's going to – well, I, I I have a prediction that I think Brian Dable will be head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers next year. And he's going to come in and the Chargers fans, uh, all six of them are going to be like, who the <laughs> hell is this guy? Why why didn't we get the guy who has two Super Bowl rings? And Eric Bieniemy? well, he's going to have two Super Bowl rings in, in three months. Why didn't why didn't we get that guy? Who, who's this guy from Buffalo? Brian Dable, and 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 he's gonna come in. He's gonna listen, develop Justin Herbert, strong arm guy, just like Josh Allen. And it's yeah. gonna be perfect. Gonna listen, be perfect. And, and, and and this is what I heard. I heard Eric Bieniemy absolutely bombed on the interviews. I don't know how true that is, but that is what I was told. I heard he he was challenged at, at the interviews. I'll say that, and he did not light it out of the park, which is why you know you saw a lot of guys. Um, who people might have questioned getting getting looks ahead of him. I'm not saying Eric Bieniemy is going to do a phenomenal is not going to do a phenomenal job. I don't know if he will, but I definitely think Pernod brings up a great point with him in the Chargers. But I also like the Brian Dabble situation. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert is very comparable to a guy like Josh Allen. They look for the big plays rather than sometimes like the smart plays. Um, I think that is definitely a, a hire that definitely would make sense absolutely. But I also wonder, uh, will people shy away from that also because? Um, so sometimes you see that, uh, the play calling in, in, in Buffalo, I, I don't necessarily know if that's, uh, the play caller's fault at, at times, but sometimes you feel like it doesn't mesh well all the time. It doesn't, it's not a healthy balance at all times, but I mean, we'll see. It's definitely an offensive league. So I definitely see offensive minded coaches getting the look before defensive minded coaches. I know somebody mentioned Robert Sala in here. Um, and you know, Atlanta. Richard, Richard Oh yeah. Oh yeah. that would be a, I like, you know who I like more. I like Arthur Smith more for Atlanta. I that's agree. The Titans, the Titans, Matt Ryan. That's perfect for Matt Ryan. Right. I mean, he would that's do, you saw what you were Ryan Tannehill. He would probably do a great job. Daniel, I want to get, I, I want to get your take. I, uh, what, yeah. what is Who is a coach in your eyes that should be uh, on the chopping block and who should replace them? Yeah. I was going to, I was literally going to say, um, I was thinking for the Falcons. I was like, which guy? And I'm curious here. I want to hear your take on why Arthur Smith's better than Robert Sala. I just think, the job he's done oh, with the 49ers. Well, go give me somebody different because we already said those. So give me some, give me something else. Oh well, I mean, I don't really. I mean, those are all we covered. All the main guys: Bianami, Salah, Arthur Smith, Dabble. I don't like who else. I don't. Can I can I respond to Daniel sure. really quick? Yeah. Look, the reason. Look, we've already seen the experiment with a defensive head coach in Atlanta. Yes, it took them to a Super Bowl, but it took a Matt Ryan MVP season. It took Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. You take Kyle Shanahan away, you know that offense has suffered. That year with Sarkeesian, awful. Um, mm -hmm. I forget. I don't even know who their offense coordinator is now. Not great. Um, but look, it's a work in progress. You can't have a defensive coach. I think they're going to go with the offense. The defense, yes, needs a lot of improvement, but I think you got to bring in an offensive-minded coach that's going to get the best out of my, Matt Ryan. Malik mentioned it. Look what he's doing with Ryan Tannehill, who is a lesser quarterback than Matt Ryan. We all know this. Um, and he's working miracles. And sure, the defense needs improvement, but it's the job of the coach to bring in. What if he brings in like a Wade Phillips? I think a Wade Phillips would be a great fit in Atlanta. Um, For head coach? No, 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 no. As a defensive oh, coordinator. Okay, okay, defensive okay, coordinator. Okay. I'm saying you bring in a guy like Arthur Smith, who's going to be a first-year head coach. Uh, similar to a, I don't think he'll be as good, but similar to a McVay type situation in the Rams has a few good pieces on the defense, but the defense needs a lot of change. But McVay, we know wasn't a defensive guy coming in. So he brought in a guy like Wade Phillips, who's experienced, who's to say that Wade Phillips couldn't do good things with that defense or keep building that defense in Atlanta and bring in Arthur Smith to refine that offense. Yeah. I just think, or 
I, I just think that the defense is the bigger issue, right? And it depends on what direction this team wants to go because either they can keep chugging along with Matt Ryan and hope that this offense – because the offense isn't really the issue. I think Salah would bring a culture change. That's something that they need. Time and time again, they lose close games, similar to what the, we were talking about with the Chargers. You can't lose those close games. You can't give up a 21-point a lead. Two times in the year, three times in a year, you just can't do that. And I think Salah, what he's done, I just think it's he's done a remarkable job with the 49ers. Richard Sherman went on an interview, I think, two weeks ago, last week, and he, he shouted him out. He said, he, he said basically the job he's done with the guys that they have is remarkable. I think the Falcons need a defensive-minded guy because the offense, the defense is the issue. I, yeah. Yeah. I think – oh, wait, carry on. Hang on. Oh, go ahead, we'll, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I wanted to bring up a new name, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not 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 to become a head coach, but to no longer become a head coach. And we talked about it last night. Um, no bias intended, but it's time we talk about Zach Taylor, who is a bottom three head coach in football right now. Now, the question here is not whether or not they will fire him, but whether or not they uh, should fire him. And the, the question of whether you know whether or not they'll make the fiscally responsible decision is not what we're talking about right now. Zach Taylor is is five weeks away from becoming four twenty one and one as a head coach. Four twenty seven. Or he, he he's yeah, four, he's four, four becoming four becoming four twenty seven and one as a head coach. And the one thing that kept him in Cincinnati last year was Joe Burrow and the fact that you know the consensus was that that that, that he was dominating the locker room and and the guys were bought in to what he was doing. That has now gone into turmoil and we don't know who is bought in and who is not. I feel like he is just he's he's force feeding the guys who are who he knows are bought in to the media and kind of hiding everybody else. Guys who we know like like Giovanni Bernard and Jesse Bates. I don't know if Tyler Boyd's bought in. I don't know if T. Higgins is bought in. I don't know if uh, Logan Wilson is bought in. I don't know if Jonah Williams is bought in. But but this guy's won four games in two years. He has now lost what we assume is the entirety of the locker room. And Look, will the Browns make the, the fiscal responsible the, the fiscally responsible decision? No. But should they? They definitely should consider it. Like guys who are on the chopping block, Anthony Lynn, Adam Gase, and Zach Taylor. Hmm. So let me ask you a question. Who in your eyes would replace him? Well, the enemy is obviously, you know, he was interviewed and sources say he was given the job. He was offered the job two years ago. Is that correct? No. No? Oh, that's not. what you told me. No, I didn't say that. I said he was not. He was not offered the job. Zach Taylor. Well, Zach Taylor got the job over him. Apparently, the enemy like bombed the interview yeah. for the Bengals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, got you. Um, well, the enemy would definitely be, you know, an option. And you know, I think going down to the college ranks, Matt, uh, bring a bring a guy like Matt Campbell. And look, do I would I be one hundred percent confident with Matt Campbell with Joe Burrow? Probably not, but. Um, I think Matt Campbell can put together a better staff because Zach Taylor hired his friends, and I think Matt Campbell, you know, would hire a better staff. But I mean, like Brian Dable would be perfect with Joe Burrow, you know, um, guys like that. But uh, no, I nobody, nobody wants to talk about it. And and, and I, this is the last thing I'll say on the, before I go to uh, before I give you guys my coach. Um, <coughs> That's not what the Browns would do. If, if they were to get rid of if they were to get rid of uh, Zach Taylor, I see one guy, one or two guys being considered for the head coaching job, like actually being considered for the head coaching job. And that, in large part, that seen, that that uh, it, it remains to be seen what happens in, in Minnesota um, with Mike Zimmer. Oh I know my god, that'd be great. 
with Mike Zimmer being fired, apparently. Uh, obviously, Mike Brown, that would actually make Mike Brown's job a lot easier. But there's a guy that Mike Brown almost traded for a few years back that is an offensive coordinator that is one of his most beloved assistants in, in Bengals history. And that guy goes by the name of Jay Gruden. He's now available. He's an offensive coordinator. I'm not in love with it, but Mike Brown loves Jay Gruden. Mike Brown hated when Jay Gruden left. Jay Gruden becoming the Bengals head coach is something that would not shock me. All. We all hated when when Jay Gruden left. It sucked. We hated when when Mike Zimmer left. We hated when Hugh Jackson <laughs> left. We all we we hated we hated when all these guys left. Marvin Lewis is one of the best coaching trees in in, in terms of like how many guys actually got jobs. Yeah. I I, I mean like <laughs> I mean I think I know who else you're gonna decide um say and it's Vance Joseph. Am I correct? Nope. Vance I was actually Joseph. gonna I was actually gonna say Jay Gruden was the guy, but I also think we we need to have we we need to start having a dialogue about the job that Joe Brady's doing in Carolina. And let me tell you why you have Joe Burrow coming off of an ACL injury, right? You do not want him in a scenario where he does not know what he's coming into. You, listen, you don't want to pile more work on the guy than, than is necessary, right? The guy is coming to coming off of an, off of an ACL injury. He's going to be working, trying to get back to full strength. Why not put him in a system that he knows like the back of his hand? Why not put him make this this the uh, the transition seamless? Why not hire Joe Brady uh, from the Carolina Panthers, make him the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, and try to see if Joe Brady and and um, Joe Burrow could be a match made in heaven like they were at LSU? Who says no? I just think that you have to have a conversation and we have to have a dialogue to see because I I think the only scenario on which Zach Taylor comes back is if he changes pieces on the staff, which I'm not hugely a big fan of personally, because I think some of the guys on the staff are, are scapegoats apparently in my honest opinion. But I think that that's the only scenario which Zach Taylor comes back. But then again, you have to ask yourself what coach is going to attach themselves to a coach with a 427 and one record. Uh, that remains to be seen yet. I just think that Joe Brady would be phenomenal in Cincinnati. He'd be a rock star, even though he's kind of boring. Um, anyway, um, the guy that I think is going to lose his job, um, Doug Marone. Doug Marone of he the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to lose his job. And I think it's all about where do the Jacksonville Jaguars see themselves? Uh, like, do they do they want to uh, do they want to focus on defense or do they want to focus on on offense? Do they do they want to have that uh, have build with their young quarterback, which will probably be Justin Fields, um, or do they want to focus on you know the defensive side of the ball? If that's the case, if that's the scenario. Um, I, I think I'm going with, uh, that's tough guys. I don't know. I don't know who to go with. I actually don't, I actually don't know who to go with for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, who wouldn't want to work in Florida? Right. Um, but I oh, think, come Tom, on down urban Meyer, come on down urban Meyer. He will not do that. But, um, maybe, maybe a guy like, uh, Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles. I think he deserves to be another opportunity to be head coach. I think I think he's doing an okay job. Um, I he just might as well bring back Steve Wilkes too. He he's done a great job as <laughs> right. as a defensive coordinator for the Browns. I think the Browns. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he did a great job in Arizona. Oh. The only bad part about the Jaguars is bring back him once again. Their owner is the problem in Jacksonville again. Yeah. They, they they fired oh, the GM. Yeah. That's who it was. They well, Jim well, Caldwell. He's, he's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's sometimes patient for his own for his own good. What maybe maybe who's to say Dan Quinn doesn't get another shot to be head coach? I don't know. He, he should. Dan, I Dan think Quinn he's deserving head, head of head it. Coach. Yes. I've got I got a retread that somebody should go out and hire. Marvin Lewis. Hire mm. Marvin Lewis for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before you say no, the guy can take terrible yeah. teams and build them yeah. into a 
respectable at the very least. Now, he might not win you a playoff game, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm telling you that right now. He will not win you a playoff game. But he might get you guys to a respectable level where you guys are at least competing and losing in the first round. He might do that. <laughs> and at that at this point for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that would be amazing. That, <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing. Last segment, guys. Last segment. Vic Fangio, there's rumors going on about Vic Fangio getting fired. I want to get everybody's take really, really quickly, really, really brief because we're wrapping up on time here. Uh, should Vic Fangio be on the hot seat? Should he? Like, I, I, I don't know if no. he should be. There are there is I, I tweeted this earlier. There is a long list of things that are wrong with the 2020 Denver Broncos, and head coach is not one of them. This is a team that has what over a hundred million dollars on the injured reserve right now. Had mm-hmm. COVID opt outs. Uh, they lost their left tackle, lost their right tackle, both to injury and COVID opt outs. They're down to their second string left tackle, second string right tackle. Uh, this they're a mess right now. Um, they just had to play a game with, without a quarterback. Like there, are, there's a long list of things. That is wrong with the Broncos, and head coach is not one of them. He is doing a great job. Maybe not with Drew Locke, and you know that's a discussion for another day whether he's the future or not. But Vic Fangio is a is a good enough. I, I think he's a good head coach. Like I think he's top half head coach. I, I think he's the fifteenth or fourteenth best quarterback in in the league. I really do. Um, I, I I think he's done a good job with the defense, and you know I, I think they're moving. Like the Broncos were getting like playoff buzz at the yeah. beginning of the year. Like they were. Like yeah. they won. They they won four of the last five games. Um, there's a, lo- a long list of things wrong with them. Head coach is not one of them. I agree. Max? Uh, yeah, I know. I agree. I think you give Vic Fangio one more year. I think, you know, the injuries did not help him one bit. And maybe as an owner, you force him to maybe change up the offensive uh, coaching staff because obviously they're not doing m- much wonders. No. And you, we all know he's a defensive coach. So maybe it's just as simple as changing coordinators. Maybe that brings improvement to their offense and maybe even drafting a- another quarterback. So uh, mm-hmm. I'd say give Vic Fangio one more year. Yeah. I, d- I definitely agree. The job he's done with their defense without Von Miller, um, the job that he's done with overall to just this team, the COVID opt-outs, $100 million on the injury reserve. They still have a top 10 defense right now statistically. Their defense is number 10 in the league with all their injuries, and it's not a formidable team talent-wise. A.J. Bouye is their number one corner. Bryce Callahan's hurt. Their linebackers are mad. Their defensive line. Jarrell Casey's hurt. Like, the job he's done with this defense is remarkable, and that's what they brought him in there for. They brought him in because of his defensive presence. They brought brought him in there because of what he can do with this culture. And at some point, we have to look at Drew Locke. Is Drew Locke the answer? I don't know, but they just have to go out this offseason, get those guys back, and go out and draft some defensive pieces, and they should be fine. He deserves another chance at least one more year. Listen, last thing. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. With Vic Fangio, he's making the most out of a bad situation. I agree. I agree. They're seven and nine last year, and they're four and seven right now. That's not terrible for what right. all the Broncos have had to deal with. Right now, now the, the last thing I'm going to say, I'm not going to touch with the Vic Fangio thing because I think it's ridiculous. I think Vic Fangio should stay on as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Does a phenomenal job. I think he's a great defense coordinator, so I wouldn't mind him getting let go. But I will say this. Um, <laughs> At some point, certain teams need to start jumping the gun and hiring guys that you know are going to be superstars in the future. Um, eventually, I'm not saying now, but eventually, uh, somebody should have got to start talking about guys like uh, only because they're learning under such a great coach. Um, if I'm a team and I'm focused on building for the future, and I know that he's you know learning from his father, Steve Belichick. At some point, I I personally would love to see become head coach in the NFL because I think well, well don't do what the Bengals did and jump the gun with Zach Taylor, um, even though he had no qualifications well, of being a head yes, coach. He, 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 did, he, did have, he did have a qualification, Max. He knew Sean how McVay. he knew Sean McVay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that is, I guess, Steve, right? Steve Belichick's at least calling somewhat little defensive but plays. He's from the Bill Zach Belichick. Never called, he's from Zach the, Taylor he had it. three weeks of, of NFL. What do you um, mean, though? He knew Sean offensive play that's calling. All you, that's all the qualification you need. That's all you need to be a head coach in the league. If you know, if you sniffed Sean McVay, if you walked by Sean McVay, you are instantly qualified. Matter of fact, I walked by Sean McVay at the uh, at the um at the NFL Combine last year. I didn't tell you guys, but teams were calling me to interview for their job because I knew Sean McVay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm obviously being facetious. Um, but uh, all jokes aside, though, uh, yeah, Max, you're right. They shouldn't do what we did. But I will say though, if you know that a guy is made up of the right things and doesn't like, like, like Zach Taylor, for instance, his track record, his history doesn't prove to be, he doesn't scream head coach, but a guy like Steve Belichick who's learning under the greatest, the second greatest head coach of all time behind Vince Lombardi um, is, is, you know, is learning. Yes. Yes, he is Jake. Um, um, yes, he is. Uh, but anyway, if you know, a guy like Steve Belichick is learning under his father and, you know, he's calling plays and stuff like that. He's getting that experience. And he's been around football his entire life. That's something that I would totally do, especially if you're an abysmal organization like the Jets or something. Like, could you imagine if Steve Belichick became the Jets head coach? Wow, that would be cool. Malik, you did. So this, like, this segment for coaches is about coaches who aren't ready yet but could be superstars in the future, right? Sure, yeah. What about the Chiefs quarterback coach, Mike Kafka? Mike Kafka is already going to be supplanted as the offensive coordinator when Eric Bieniemy leaves. They actually are waiting for Eric Bieniemy to leave because they thought he was going to leave by now. They were they were waiting to promote <laughs> Mike Kafka. They're waiting to promote Mike Kafka. Uh, but I'm saying I'm saying like eventually you think he could develop into a superstar coach. Oh, eventually Andy Reid is going to be out of luck. I think teams are going to be like, okay, oh, you got a quarterbacks coach there. I'm promoting. I'm promote, I'm picking him up as head coach. They're going to just start plucking guys. Remember, Eric Bieniemy was the running backs coach, and. Uh, I think he's a great leader of men. I think that's what he's got his calling cards got going for him. And I really hope he succeeds in the in the NFL. I really hope he succeeds in the NFL um, and proves a lot of the people who surpassed him um, up and, and prove prove them wrong. But guys, listen, that's all we got for the show tonight. We went for an hour and thirty two minutes. I want to thank Randy Zellia for joining us on the podcast tonight of Backsource Page. Make sure you guys check them out. Oh, my old stomping grounds. They do a great job of what they do over there at Back Sports Page. And we do a great job of what we do here at the Right Way Sports Network. So make sure you guys follow us on our social media handles. And make sure you guys keep it locked and you tune into uh, the Right Way Podcast show each and every single can, can I say one thing? I, I think on behalf of the show, we, we haven't really addressed it. No, 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 not about the NFL show. It's actually something uh, serious. We, I want to say rest in peace, Diego Maradona. He is a legend absolutely. of the sport. Um, he's an icon, and I, I think I speak for the company in saying that uh, we wish his family well. Absolutely. Thanks for saying that, Max, as well. Uh, we, we definitely don't, don't want to forget that. Well, thank you guys absolutely for tuning into the show um, each and every uh, single week. Uh, make sure you guys catch the On the Ball podcast. Uh, Friday nights at 8 p.m. live on the Right Way Sports Network YouTube channel. And catch the Right Way Kickoff Show, where Max Marrero does a great job. Max, what's your record over there with your uh, mortal locks now? Unfortunately, I took the Bucks outright, so I'm now 8-4. and four. I'll take it. Could be better. Yeah, but you're still <laughs> listen, you're still winning. You are still winning. You're not 500 like me in fantasy football. Thanks for three kills. Absolutely a crazy performance where I had the win, and I had the win, and I had the win, and I lost. But it's all right. I'll take the loss. It's okay. Um, anyway, guys, I want to thank you guys for tuning into the show. We'll see you next Tuesday night. And as always, guys, the show will go. You know the rest. Play. Canis in the building. Alright, already the show goes on all night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they will see the thunder? Just remember.